Welcome to What the Fish, a podcast where the fish guys at the Field Museum in Chicago talk about marine life, new and crazy species, natural history news, and fish. Who are the fish guys? We have Dr. Leo Smith, who's head of fishes. Hello. We have Dr. Matt Davis, a postdoc at the Field Museum in Fishes. Hello. And we have Dr. Eric Algren, consultant for fishes. Hi there. And I am your guest host, Sarah Gibson. And today we will be talking about predatory fishes. Recently, Conservation International posted a video of a whale shark stealing food from a fisherman's net or a group of fishermen's net. And we thought this was super exciting, so we decided to talk about predatory fish today. So what did the video show, Matt? Um, the video showed basically a large whale shark kind of sneaking up on a bag of fishes that had been hauled in by a fisherman's net, and then the whale shark proceeded to just steal all the fishes out of this net from under the water, just like a giant vacuum suction, just like sucking them out like crazy. Right. Uh, what is a whale shark? whale shark is the largest cartilaginous fish and the largest non-amniote. How... How did they suck them out? Like, were the, how did they get out of the net? First of all, like, if the fish were trapped, there was in the a net? small hole in the net in the whale shark. Oh, I don't know whether the whale shark created the hole or if there was already a hole, but it started sucking them out. From seems the like a, a useless net if it's got a giant hole in it already. That it probably just got ripped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because whale sharks they filter feed, so just like all large whales or most of the large whales anyway, uh, they filter feed, so they've got modified teeth and. Um, and gill structures so that rather than chewing on something like a great white or a tiger shark, they actually filter small plankton and other things out of the water. And so in this video, the whale shark is actually sucking some sort of maybe sardine or herring or something, some smallish kind of fish rather than, you know, it's not eating down on a bunch of salmon or tuna tuna or or snappers or something. Mm. Uh But it must suck down. Thousands of them. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting video. Um, And as Leo was mentioning, part of the reason filter feeders modified feeding structures to help um, filter through organisms, and part of that is in their gills. Oftentimes, filter feeders have fine gill-type structures where food will get caught. Um, And something that most people don't think about in terms of predatory fishes is that fishes actually have lots of teeth and rows of piercing structures in their mouth or crushing structures in the throat. Right, so fishes chew mostly with the teeth that are in their throat rather than their oral teeth. So the teeth that humans are used to chewing with are not what... Fishes use those more like for holding the fish in and they chew with what become our are like vocal cords and the voice box and things like that. So the structures that they chew with are that, which is why if you ever like threw goldfish into a mora eel or an oscar or any sort of fish, maybe even a piranha at home, uh, when you throw the goldfish in, all these scales start coming flying out of their out of their gills rather than you know they don't pour out of their mouth like you know like a shark biting and leaving the prey behind. They and swallow their the prey item and then chew through it in their mouth within the you know using the throat teeth. So it's sort of like uh, 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 alien, then. The, uh, like there, there's a there's a mouth inside of their mouth. There's like a chewing. There's like a there's like a yeah. eating thing inside their throat. Right, and these are when you look at a when you catch a gill, like a fish with a hook off, and the, the hook when you're pulling it out, these, all those structures inside, all those little rakers and teeth-like things are, are what they're sort of chewing with and holding the food in, because obviously their gills are open to the water, so they have to have some way of keeping the fish and the food 
from going out into the water and they swallow it. Uh, one thing, so like these throat teeth too, they're usually pretty specialized depending on the type of fish, but oftentimes they can be like recurved, so they're curved to hold something in. So like a fish gets sucked down into the throat and then it can't escape because it gets trapped by these piercing teeth. Or sometimes they have large kind of like ball, molariform type looking teeth for crushing things. Um, say if you're like a plant eater or you're eating coral or, you know, invertebrates and you have to crush shells some of these throat teeth are just like big crushing like a mortal i guess like a mortar and a pedestal or pest- pestle pestle <laughs> mortar and a pestle like slamming them together mm-hmm. and you, you also have i mean there's a million modifications in here but you have lots of cases where you have fish uh, i think there's cichlids and sculpins that both do this where they'll have the pharyngeal teeth modified so they can actually punch a hole inside like a gastropod or a snail shell and then they can exude their uh, digestive enzymes into that while after they swallow the shell, and then you know they'll poop out the shell with everything inside gone. Now, what you mentioned a whale shark was a filter feeder. Does a whale shark have a baleen like a whale? No, it's. I think it's mostly modified teeth, and then some modifications to the gill arches. The gill arches in a cartilaginous fishes aren't quite the same as on a on a bony fish. So, but it's it's still gonna it's a, it uses a series of sort of really skeletal structures, skeletal nets. They're skeletal mostly, though. Yeah, usually the teeth are really fine, and then the the gill raker parts of the gills are really fine for filtering through things. I don't, I don't remember what baleen is. Baleen made out of like keratin or something like that. Uh, I think so. I just yeah. saw it up in the uh, exhibit upstairs on uh, extreme mammals, and uh, I just saw it last week, and I've completely forgotten it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the... Great exhibit, by the way. Yeah, I mean, the whale sharks, there's only a handful of sharks that do this. So you also have the basking sharks and the megamouth sharks. But I think that as groups, those are the only main sharks that are filter feeders. Mm-hmm. There's, they're not a large proportion of sharks. Are, are there other fish who are uh, filter feeders? Oh, yeah. I mean, even something like a lot of the schooling fish, so the sardines and herrings, will swim around with their mouths open. Um, and they'll capture small prey, and that's why... You know, so their gill arches in those cases they'll have really long gill rakers that'll sort of crisscross across each other, kind of like a like a net or a you know I don't know a tennis racket or something. They'll they'll mm-hmm. cross and they'll be able to keep everything you know little plankton. You know, it basically goes up in size to a certain degree. Um, so when you're talking about predatory fish, pretty much most fish when they eat will just either through a filter process or through some pharyngeal teeth or some sort of crushing mechanism they just swallow their prey whole right or if they're small enough they just sort of capture them and sort of work their way down the throat yeah. so like with a true f- small a fish that's much larger than the prey and like that whale shark is probably not spending a whole lot of time chewing down those yeah it's just sucking everything in and trying to keep it inside right so like fish with a few exceptions, they the mouth is you know I always refer to it as jail. So you have teeth. The teeth act as bars on the jail. The oral teeth, like the ones that we have, are like the the jail cell bars that are keeping the prey items in. Or they'll you know there's a lot of cases, especially some of the groups that Matt works on, where they'll clamp down on the fish and they'll hold it there until it you know, or the prey item. It doesn't have to be a fish. They'll clamp down on it until it dies. And so this is sort of like a bow constrictor holding everything until it dies and then going back and swallowing it. So they'll hold it there, keep it away from their eyes, keep it away from like their main organs. When it dies, they'll finally swallow it so it's not thrashing around and killing them. Yeah, and those particular feet like those particular fishes like snakes have teeth that are curved, like hooks. So the so the 
animal or prey item can't escape. So it's like being hooked in and then held onto. And oftentimes those teeth too are flexible and they'll bend just like snake's teeth. Right. Some of the like most amazing predators in their own way are things like the swallowers, the chiasmodontidae, where they have, their teeth can be moved around and they actually can swallow things that are much larger than the body of the fish. I mean, you can catch a fish that's 8, 10 inches long and it'll have something the size of an adult man's belt inside of its mouth. And somehow they trap the fish, get sort of kill it, get it dead, and then they can move the pharyngeal teeth and the oral teeth and work together and they can actually roll the fish up and then kind of pass it down their stomach. And they probably only eat a few times a year because this would provide so much food. And they've actually, the pelvic fins have been, um, and the pectoral fins have sort of separated from each other. They're sort of normally kind of connected. And this allows them to, they're called swallowers because they can distend their stomach in a lot of cases. And and, uh, it's worth taking a look at the swallowers. They're a pretty impressive group of fish. Is that uh, that anything like a gulper eel? Uh, They're they're, both deep-sea fishes. They're in different groups, but... And then the same set, I mean... They're, they have the same that, lifestyle. And it, 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 their their <laughs> yeah. feeding part is sort of like a similar life school. It's life. a relaxed lifestyle, <laughs> swimming deep in the oceans. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember when you're, if you're, they're both, well, the Kaismodonids can be a little shallower, but the Culperos are deep down the bottom. They're not in the deep scattering layer, which is a thicker group of like prey items that are, sort of, you know, a couple of about a thousand meters or 3000 feet down. They're deeper than that. So they're not going to get the same density of animals. Yeah. yeah so you yeah. got to eat the whole fish when it's there and you yeah, live yeah. off it for a while. Angler, some angler fish can do that as well. Right. For some extent, they can eat large amounts of food. It's a pretty calm. If you're not actually on the bottom, you're not a benthic fish and you're not up in the midwater, probably almost every day. I can't think of things that aren't predators. Yeah. <laughs> the vast majority of the pelagic deep sea fishes are predatory. Yeah, kind of amazing. Fishes. And they migrate up and down in the water column daily to get food as this deep scattering layer moves up. Mm. Yeah, they probably some of them probably go from the bottom. I think like the rat tails and things. A lot of them will go up beyond the bottom during the day and walk, or and then will actually or off river still be on the bottom during the morning during the night when the, the deep scattering layer is much higher and then when that comes down during the day they'll actually go up and try and eat off of that so what are some of the major innovations for fish feeding like throughout say like the bone let, like let's talk about bony fishes so raven like bony raven fishes um because like gape and suck or something like opens up their mouth and essentially sucks in prey and then keeps them there, swallows them, or holds on to them, right? Right, so that's when people think of most fishes, like the way if you feed a fish tank, they go up, they'll suck down, like, the fish, the flake food or anything. They have a, you know, they have a really, almost all fishes have a really fast sort of expansion of the buccal or throat cavity that they can do, and that creates a negative pressure, pulls in an enormous amount of water really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's highly modified in some groups so that they can do it stronger, faster, more volume, whatever it takes for their specialized feeding. Um, but it's a remarkably consistent mechanism, and I think it's teleostean. Yeah. And so you won't find yeah. it in like an eight and a bowfin or some of well, the fossil yeah. Ones. It's modified through the, the fossil record. So teleos, it's the, the maxilla and the premaxilla, which are the upper jaw bones and the lower are detached from the cranium so that they can actually extend them outwards and the skin, you know, goes with it and it creates kind of a vacuum. So it lets it lets them open up their oral cavity and create that suction in. But the some of these lower fish, like ones that I study, uh, the premaxilla will still be attached to the skull 
um, but the maxilla is still mobile. So that's like the condition in Amia. So they can create some kind of suction, but it's not as strong. And then you, it's a really primitive fishes called paleoniscoids and some of these other ones where the, the maxilla, the upper jaw is still attached to the, to this cranium. So you, they can only open their jaw so much. Uh, they just can more, I don't know what the word would be like. Biting. They just bite. They, they, they can't create any kind of suction. And I think so. that's kind of the way coelacanths are too, right? They uh, mostly have biting. Yeah, it's most, yeah, I think so. They have a different, I think that the, well, maybe the, I think all the other things that have biting mechanisms like coelacanths are all past at this point. Mm-hmm. So the jaw and the mouth snaps open like a trap and, 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 causes like this this rapid suction inward right mm-hmm. and it's amazing how far the the bones can extend out like if you watch some slow motion feeding videos on YouTube uh, or we highly recommend if you uh, want to look at some of these the Wainwright lab uh-huh. YouTube channel so Peter Wainwright at UC Davis they must have I don't know 30 to 50 videos now fishes the most extreme probably being the string, sling jaw wrasse but they have they're all pretty interesting through planktivores, big fish piscivores, and a bunch of other things. But go on. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch those videos and, and see how they feed what the moray eel eating. Let's, just, let's talk about that one because they have the, again, they use the pharyngeal jaws that we mentioned earlier, but they can... I got, what is it? Like they can project, them, out. project yeah. them forward. Which is more like what Eric was talking about, really. Like with a, if you've seen the movie Alien, yeah, they like throw it. I've never heard of that movie. What is it? <laughs> Alien? <laughs> yeah. No, and if you, it's the same. If you go back to the same uh, Wainwright lab, uh, he had a postdoctoral fellow um, named Meta that worked with him. That they actually were the ones that were able to show that the pharyngeal jaws will actually sort of bite, come out, grab the fish, and then they'll sort of grab them again with the oral teeth after that. But they actually throw these throat teeth. It'd be like if your voice box were like, it's like a ventriloquist. (laughs) 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 They're very, very, very angry. Yeah. That's my favorite part of like a Jeff Dunham and Peanut show. It's when Jeff Dunham extends his inner jaw outside of his mouth and bites the uh, people in the audience in the front row. That that brings down the house every time. That's his punchline at the end. <laughs> yep, that's his, that's his punchline. He brings out the talking chili pepper, and then he extends his pharyngeal jaws outside of his mouth. All right, uh, our fish of the week this week is... Uh, a cool-looking one called a lancet fish, or its scientific name, a Liposaurus ferox. So let's talk about the lancet fish, what it looks like, what does it eat, why is it cool? Uh, so the long-nosed lancet fish, a Liposaurus ferox, is a predominantly deep-sea, open-ocean predatory fish. So it's a pelagic fish, and it has a large sail fin, um, somewhat similar to what you might expect from like a swordfish. Uh, and basically what it's doing is swimming through the pelagic water column and it moves up and down um, looking for prey items. And what's kind of remarkable about the feeding for this particular fish is that it has these really elongated and enlarged palatine teeth, like these large palatine daggers that it essentially uses to pierce and hold on to to prey items. Yeah, it looks like a Dracula fish. Yeah, it looks like, like a, a sailfish with Dracula teeth. Yep. So these fish are pretty common deep sea fishes. Um, you find in their stomachs all kinds of different types of fish, including other Liposaurus, so they clearly eat uh, their own kind. They're cannibal fish. Yeah. There's a lot of cannibal fish. I think you also find things like tunas and tuna relatives and things like that. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're pretty incredible. We Once, uh, when I was in San Diego, we actually, one came, washed ashore barely alive, and we tried to keep it alive in an aquarium for a little while. 
like a big aquarium, the public aquarium in San Diego. Um, they're just, uh, they sort of, they don't un- look unlike a barracuda. Yeah. They're just a big, scary, I was going to say, they, they have that long body that's, it's not really meant for like streamlined, like long distance swing, but they've got that kind of ambushy body like a pike or a, a agar um, barracuda. Similar. Yeah. yeah, they have a really elongated body with this large fin. And what are they related to? Uh, <coughs> sorry, they're related to another group of deep sea fishes called the hammer jaw. So that genus is almost suitus. What the hell's a hammer jaw? Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that, the hammer jaw is almost suitus. There's only one species in that. It's a monotypic genus, almost suitus loi. Um, and it also has these enlarged palatine teeth. And then there's a number of extinct uh, predatory elopiforms. So these, this is the clay called lizard fishes. There's a number of extinct uh, species from that are known from the Cretaceous that are closely related to the lancet fish. And these include um, extinct genera such as Encodus. So how old would that be then? Uh, about 110 million years old. So that's really old fish. Yeah. And all the fish in this particular group that are closely related to Olyposaurus all have these really large palatine teeth. So these large dagger-like teeth. No, they were, I, I don't know of any fish group that has anything quite like that, though. I mean, lots of fish have palatine teeth, but they're... Yeah, these ones are pretty extreme. They're like Brillo pads, and these things are like... Like teeth. Yeah, these like, things are like steak knives. <laughs> yeah, it's like big, big, big knives. Yeah. So, I mean, you can imagine if you had, like, humongous teeth sitting in essentially the top of your mouth... You know, if you bite down on something, it's going to have a hard time getting away from you. You've effectively pierced it and you're holding on to it. Um, How do these fish reproduce? Oh, that's a good question. So the, <laughs> these particular fish are actually simultaneous hermaphrodites. So this this entire group of deep sea lizard fishes is, is uh, are all capable of, of simultaneous hermaphroditism. So they can produce the same sets of gametes at the same. They can produce both types of gametes at the same time. So theoretically, they could produce um, basically like a clone yeah like, well it, it would still have sexual recombination right. if they can self-fertilize so it won't necessarily be a clone but it'll be right. but they could certainly have the potential for self-fertilization if they release their gametes out at the same time um, although nobody's ever empirically demonstrated that lance and fishes can do that that it's theoretically possible right like if you were to slice through the gonad, their gonads histologically yeah. you'd see both you'd see both testes and eggs all right, sperm and eggs, essentially. Cool. Speaking as the consultant for fishes here and uh, the only non-ichthyologist in the group, I'd like to reorient ourselves a little bit uh, onto predatory fishes, which to me, as uh, a layperson, means piranhas and barracudas and sharks and moray eels and things with big scary teeth that bite you in the ocean. Let's talk about that a little bit. So piranha is a little different than some of the other stuff we've been talking about because piranhas will come up and they basically just like rip off chunks and then take off. So they basically are using their dentary and maxillate teeth, premaxillate teeth to eat. So like you and me, they, they, they take a big bite like you would take of a Yeah, they have like large triangular dog teeth. or something like that. And they just basically are coming up and like ripping off you know, ripping fish in half or ripping off parts of flesh and, and eating them. They're not like, they're not trying to trap a fish or hold on to them. Um, and as far as I know, they're not like gaping, sucking. They're like just coming up and t- ripping off chunks and taking off, ripping off chunks and taking off. Mm. No, it's, I always picture, I always use apples as my example. 
Prana's butter, kind of like if we were the way we eat an apple or something, so I guess they're not holding it in our hand. So if we were like bobbin for apples, but actually successful. What about a barracuda? Talk about barracudas. What's the song? Ooh, barracuda. (laughs) Come on, do the guitar parts. I can't, I have no aptitude. No, come on. Maybe do this all by you better you better erase this part then. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta leave it in. <laughs> Barracuda are swallowers. There are a lot of, from my understanding, they're kind of not entirely unlike some of the alipasaurids, which are lancet fish, or a lot of the sort of well, fast swimming. Well, barracudas bite you though when you're in the water and you're swimming. I mean, don't don't they? Seems they're unlikely. Not, they're not man eaters. They, no. They. Every person I know that's ever talked about. Barracudas biting people, and I know no one. It's all hearsay. Is always about rings. It's always some. You have some shiny thing on your finger that looks mm-hmm. like a schooling. You know, so like at a fish school, a lot of schooling fish are silvery, and so when they turn and stuff like that, you get these you know sort of blings of light Flash. and flashes. And so they go after those. They're attracted to those, and they go in and bite after those things. And so if you have rings, so when you're diving in the Caribbean and things like that, places where barracudas are common the safest thing to do is to either wear gloves or remove your jewelry because I, all the anecdotal, not all the anecdotal, most of the anecdotal evidence is that they go after bling. So well, they look scary when you see them uh, uh, in the water. If you're uh, uh, swimming in the Caribbean or even in the Atlantic uh, off of uh, Florida, you can see them if you're in three or four feet of water sometimes. Big, you know, couple. Uh, maybe it's just the magnification effect of the water, but it looks like they're maybe two feet long. Big, big old yeah, no, fish I- with like scary teeth. Uh, hanging out, hanging around out there, and, and uh, I get a little worried when I get close by to them. That they, I'd like, be worried. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing. I'm not wearing any rings. Or, barracuda, yeah. bad shark, bad. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a big fan of swimming with predatory fish. It's kind of. It's not my thing. <laughs> yeah. Piranha. I don't want to swim with piranha. I don't want to swim with anything. So you swam with piranhas, though, didn't you? Not with, I'd been fishing where they were. But you didn't I wasn't actually in the water. water with them. Okay. But they don't attack humans very commonly. It's pretty. It's pretty. Rare. <laughs> Except for the, the deadly Paku found in found in domestic lakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that can do. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not common for piranhas to attack people. I mean, it's not common for fish to attack people in general. But things do happen because they are predators and if you're in the water sometimes they mistake you for fish or for seals or for Mm -hmm. whatever they're eating which brings us around to sharks right i mean well i mean the thing is it's it's so uncommon that fish attack humans that it's reported on in the news I mean, think about how many. Yeah, but sharks attack people all the time. You hear about it all. It's like what's all the time? Like uh, every day? Maybe maybe not every day, but you hear about it all the time. I mean, aren't sharks out there devouring people left and right? There are certain areas of the world where you're more prone to be attacked by a shark, like say a great white shark or a tiger shark or something. Like Australia, if you're surfing in Australia, your odds are probably more increased. Yeah, but it's still you're still more likely to be struck by lightning. I mean, yeah, but you're but you how many times are you bitten by a? I mean, I'm bitten by more mosquitoes. In yeah, a but day a mosquito than won't rip you into two pieces. Sure, it's like plane crash versus car crash, but it's it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, it really is that it's there are a few. I bet of any sort of requiring medical attention kind of fish attacks, it's fewer than three hundred. Fewer than one a day worldwide. Yeah, probably. But, but that's just, why the, when there's a 
they're just airheads. Testicle so. eating fish in like a Illinois lake. It's going to be reported on why white alleged shark testicle. Alleged, allegedly testicle eating. No. Uh, but you know, it's just not that common. Just, no, it's not. We have it's a, not common. You know, we have billions of people. Most of them are pretty close to the water. And we still don't get reports of it. But certainly more people are attacked by, say, like a great white shark in, say, South America, not South America, South Africa or Australia than they are in California. It's sure, but there I would have people out there surfing or they're in their habitat where there's a large population of them. Sure, but when I was an undergraduate in San Diego, there were white sharks constantly. When we, I would be at Scripps Institution of Oceanography overlooking the kelp forest, you'd see great whites there every day with hundreds of surfers along uh, La Jolla Shores Beach. And they weren't attacking people because it just doesn't happen that much. They're down there laying their pups. These are the populations that live on the Farallons. And, you know, there's going to be more when the density is higher. There, yeah, I agree completely. They are more in, in Australia and places like this, but they're still not common where the shark. They only can happen where the sharks are common at all. Yeah, exactly. But they're still uncommon. Yeah. And their main prey is what? Fish? Other fish? Sea lions, seals. Depending, you know, their great whites are sort of worldwide, and so you know, and they, Hawaii and they, might be they, a month but, seal or whatever. But they, it's called. but they eat large mammals a lot of the time, is what you're saying. They right, yeah, they, they, do. they don't want us. I mean, we're not fatty enough. We're like <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> and some fish, it's not even necessarily that they want. Like some some sharks are just aggressive. Like tiger sharks are really aggressive, or bull sharks, and you just don't want them to come check you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, so they might bite you by accident, or well, it'll be on purpose, but. <laughs> The human was bitten on accident, but the item was bitten on purpose. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. You know, they don't know what a human is. <laughs> I mean, how yeah. conscious, are, conscious of the, what they are doing are they? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they might just take, you know, they don't have fingers. They can't touch it and smell it exactly. Like, you know, you get like a, like a sort of old banana. You might mess around with it before you put it in your mouth. Like their choice. They're, all they got to do is yourself. <laughs> like, well, you know, if they make you bleed by bumping you or pushing into you, then, yeah, exactly. then they mean, know that you're a food item. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going in and they're just, just checking you out. Now, like picking the, fruit at the store. Now, the sharks have uh, different teeth than some of these other fish you were mentioning, right? So a lot of sharks bite, and depending on the types of teeth that they have, if they're highly serrated and curved, sometimes they'll bite and like thrash their heads from side to side to slice. So slicing off meat. Um but yeah, they'll come up basically and bite and rip off huge chunks of flesh too. But but yeah, different sharks feed in different ways. So like we talked about the whale shark filter feeds. Um, there's some obscure, somewhat rare sharks called deep like deep sea cookie cutter sharks. Um, and the cookie cutter sharks they have really modified jaws and they basically come up and they slice little pieces of like flesh off and then take off. Oh yeah, I I, uh, I, I either I saw uh, either I saw it or I remember it so vividly uh, from uh, Doctor Smith telling me about it. But they they have some sort of a like a like a mouth like a circular hole cutting saw or something like that, and they come up to they, they come up to you and attach to you and cut a circle mm-hmm. in you. Is that how, they, is that, how that <laughs> like works? Like a cookie head, like <laughs> like a cookie cutter. Yes, I always perhaps. Teeth well, a cookie like cutter doesn't have teeth on it, man. I don't know about your cookie cutters, but my my cookie cutters are pretty. You know, blunt. They're disturbing looking fish. <laughs> yeah. They're fine looking until they open their mouths. Well, that, uh, we're looking at a uh, photo right now, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's. Don't they look like a picket fence or something? I, was I don't know. That. It's uh, it's kind of kind of cute almost. It looks like something from the Nightmare Before Christmas. Just <laughs> ripping off pieces of you. <laughs> so uh, do they prey on humans then, the cookie cutter shark? 
I don't think they get particularly big, right? I think they're, they're really small. I mean, they're they're yeah, a foot or two long. They're not anything. So huge. a lot. Of, so a lot of the time when you're talking, this is probably off the topic of, of predatory fish, but these fish aren't. These fish don't prey on humans the same way as dogs don't prey on humans. Dog, you might go up to a dog, and the dog might bite you. But the dog is, and if you were the only food around, the dog might eat you. They might but eat a dead, a dead you too. They might eat a dead you too. But a dog doesn't come up to dogs. Don't eat people. Right. That. They they kill things and eat meat, but right. they don't eat people. And you're saying that sharks and piranhas and uh, uh, these these uh, uh, so-called deadly fish are similar. Right. I don't. That's what I mean. That's why I say that there's less than one a, a day. You know, this isn't a common occurrence. I don't know how often, like, wolves or coyotes or, you know, hyenas, I don't know how often cane, I mean, you know, fish is, you know, there's more fish than there are, you know, you're looking at 40,000 species here, so it's a little more, your dog reference is a pretty good one, but it's, if you had all canids, or it'd be like a bigger thing where there maybe there's a couple that are much more likely to attack mm-hmm. a human, mm-hmm. where than like a pug would. But, <laughs> but at the same, those are pretty vicious pugs. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not necessarily gonna. You know, there will Feisty. be a, a, you know maybe wolves. I don't know exactly. You know, maybe werewolves. They always yeah. attack humans. Werewolves getting <laughs> getting swarmed by schnauzers is uh, a like terrible crazy. way to go. Yeah. Foxes. Now, what about something like? Um, uh, hagfish or lampreys. What? How do? How do they feed? That's a. That's kind of an interesting. Fishes thing. that don't have like a so jawless fishes. So a lamprey has basically like a big oral disc, and it has essentially a rasping structure. So it like attaches onto something, and then and just kind of goes to town. Yeah, it sort of drills in in a way. And it's so way. it attaches to maybe the side of a salmon or something like that. Or, I mean, there's lampreys all over the world, so they're obviously eating a variety of different things. Yeah, the small ones. Are more filter feeding, so they have a specialized larvae called an amacete that's more of a filter feeder. So, mm. you know, different parts of their lifestyle. Hagfish are usually found to sort of like whatever you imagine a catfish is sort of eating, like something totally disgusting on the bottom. You know, at least the the sort of hunt the non hunting catfishes, it's sort of going to opportunistically feed off of whatever, like a whale carcass or whatever floats to the bottom, know, something, to the bottom to the something meaty fish. that hits the bottom of the ocean is going to be like a. Like hagfish, all old country buffet. Right. <laughs> well, and hagfish is they they basically like latch on and then they contort their bodies to rip off chunks, right? I yeah, they, the, they essentially like knot themselves, right? Yeah. Don't they like sec- they secrete slime? Like, that, what is yeah, that's that a, if, if they get into the that's mouth of something else. Yeah. So if they get yeah. into the mouth of something, they'll actually. So that's more a defense thing then. I guess being eaten. Yeah. <laughs> Like we have a good friend, H.J. Walker, at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography. He likes to put the live hagfish in his mouth and have it uh, output the slime. Because oh. it's incredible what it can do. I mean, with just the amount of moisture in your mouth, he can produce, I don't know, gallons maybe of slime pouring out of his mouth like oh. vomit. That's so gross. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a real good story. <laughs> That's a real good story. Maybe if we're lucky, we're going to see him in a couple weeks if we can get a video of that. Maybe we can get a hagfish. No? Try. I bet he'll do it. That'd be great. Are there other uh, parasitic fish? Yeah, there's... uh, Depends what you mean exactly by parasitic, because at some level, something like... uh, Remoras slash shark suckers are sort of parasitic in that they're sitting on the sides of a shark. They're not really helping the shark in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. But when the sharks, 
Well, it's, it's chewing it's, outside of its mouth because it doesn't have hands or grabbing it and food bits and stuff are going everywhere. It's eating off that. Well, but what's the difference between paras- parasitism and commensalism then? What is the... What? Parasitism harms the host on some level. Right, and so... A remora would slow down a shark swimming and... Or it could damage it. I mean, it's probably... It's negligible. It's negligible. It's probably getting closer to commensalism. So all of those are different kinds of symbiotic relationships. People always like to say that beneficial things are symbiotic, but symbiotic just means two things living together, and mm-hmm. then you have bad, for at least bad for one, is parasitism. Even for both is commensalism. And then good for both is mutualism. mutualism. So like a clownfish and a sea anemone is thought to be a mutualism. Or those cleaner fish. Or cleaner fish. So there's one of the things we should talk about is across vastly different fish groups, whether it's gobies or wrasses or other things, there's a very stereotypical feeding biology and coloration. A whole system is worked out throughout the coral reefs where if you're like a little black and blue with like striped, just a couple stripes, maybe sometimes white uh, fish. So you, we're talking about things about the size of like a teenager's pinky with these stripes on the side. They'll actually, like a grouper or a snapper or whatever kind of coral reef, maybe butterfly fishes, will actually go towards uh, certain areas of a coral reef that are sort of predefined, you know, by biology. And these cleaner wrasses will be sitting there in little stations, and they'll go up and actually the fish will open its gills and open its mouth, and these fish will actually go around all over their body cleaning up all the little parasites off of them. And even though they swim into their mouths and everything, the fish don't eat them, and, and they clean up, they eat. So they, it, this is definitely a mutualism where the fish are getting the parasites removed and the cleaner wrasses are getting little bits of food. And there's actually been a cut, one reported case of the long-nosed butterfly fish um, for Zipiger, I think it was Longiorostris, um, where, so this is like a bright yellow fish with a really long nose was actually found removing parasites from other fish. So, the, But other than that one, as far as I know, uh, all the other cases are these black-white striped little doo-jobs. Huh. I remember seeing a video of a fish uh, shooting water out of its mouth, out of the water, and knocking an insect off a branch into the water, and then it going and gobbling that up. Can you talk about what that is? They actually have some of those at the shed, don't they? Yeah, the shed aquarium. Yeah. It's an archer fish. And they're uh, their own little family of fish. There's a couple species of them. Uh, they're probably related to, uh, they're actually kind of closely related to the barracuda, um, but they're a freshwater thing. And they're they're kind of a funky little thing. I mean, they're, they're nondescript. They don't really look like a lot of their fish because they've got a really flattened head so that they could be sitting up at the water surface. And I think that some of the first reports of this happening were sort of a human actually figured out what was going on were um, early sort of Westerners coming in into India were smoking outside and that the fish would actually spit out the cigarettes <laughs> because they would like, they would see the lights and think it was, you know, like, um, and firefly or fireflies or something like that. And so they would spit wow. them out. I imagine some uh, drunken fellow sitting there <laughs> by the, by the wharf or whatever, trying to have a smoke and letting his hand drop down and every time finding his, his butt put out <laughs> and wondering what the, what the devil is happening. What the fish. What, what the, the fish. fish. <laughs> Indeed. What other uh, interesting modifications are there to some of these predatory fishes that you see? Okay, so sawfish has like an elongated rostrum. Christus microdontis, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> and so a sawfish is actually more closely related to 
um, a skater or a ray than it is to other fishes. It's a cartilaginous fish. Uh, and it has a really elongated rostrum with modified scales that are sticking off that look like a saw that gives it that saw-like appearance. So those aren't actually teeth. Those are just modified scales. Um, and they actually feed mainly by using that uh, that rostrum to hunt for other food items. So they go over and they scan the substrate with electromagnetism right out there pores and then they will use their saw to kind of like kick up the substrate too so they'll whack the substrate with it or scrape at it you can use it like a shovel <laughs> yeah you can of. use it as a shovel you can use it as a weapon and can you use it to spear and kill uh, uh schools of fish or something like yeah, that yeah they do that too they might use it in feeding by stunning their prey and then... yeah no they definitely whack and thrash it around I think that there was a case of a saw shark so not a sawfish but a saw shark where they actually had brought that on video yeah one of the things that that reminded me of is actually this really cool thing it's not exactly a jaw thing but it's a predatory thing, which are thresher sharks. So these are sharks that have a really long caudal fin. The tail, the upper half is can be almost the length of the body of the fish. So we could have, you could have a tail with the upper lobe five, six feet long, and they'll actually swing that through the water and stun stun things, and then go and fight. Because it's always going to be preferable to whack around with your tail than with your mouth so that you don't get hit in the eye with anything. I mean, you know, we're all, we have cephalization, so we're all focused on getting everything into our heads for sensory stuff, but it comes at the, you know, the drawback is that if something hits you in the head, you're kind of screwed. In the movie Jaws, when uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss and, and, and Quint are comparing injuries, one of them says that, that it shows a scar and says that he got it from a fin of a thresher shark. Mm, I've, I don't think I've watched that movie since I knew what a thresher shark was. <laughs> I should watch Jaws. So here's our question. Oops, sorry. Go for it. Oh, here's a question for Leo. So, do any venomous fishes use venom for feeding? So, there's. So, most venomous fishes sting with the, as a defensive mechanism. The largest, most prominent group that uses it offensively are the land fishes. So those are the bright red, white, black, and yellow, sometimes a little bit of blue. Um, they're in the aquarium trade, and they'll, reorient, they'll orient their bodies so that they are their dorsal spines. They have the spines on the dorsal surface, the pectoral, I mean the pelvic fins, and the anal fin. And they'll direct the, the dorsal spines towards you and chase after you. But beyond those, there's two groups that are lesser well-known that actually have venomous fangs to a certain degree. The... The least understood one is a group called the monognathids or the one-jawed eels. So they have no upper jaw. They have a lower jaw. And then the palate bones, so the roof of their mouth, the, um, the palatine and things, are modified into a single central spine. So it's, a, it's two paired bones come together to form a central spine, kind of like our nose or something, except for inside the roof of their mouth. And they actually have a venom gland that sits above the brain and the venom duct actually runs sort of through the brain, sort of in front of the brain, down to this modified spine or bony structure. It's not really a spine. And so they'll, they only have a lower jaw, so when a prey item like a copepod, which is a little tiny shrimp, kind of looks like a sea monkey or a, or a brine shrimp, they'll slam the, upper, the lower jaw shut and they'll root, slam the prey item into this spine on the roof of their mouth. Oh. And then they'll go in the stomach. Got pretty, they're, they're really deep sea and really kind of rare. Most of the specimens are what are we called type specimens, the unique specimens oh, for the. That's really fish. cool. That would that should have been the first predatory fish you talked about. I've never they're, heard of such a thing. They're, yeah, they're about the size of like a canned sardine. <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty much uh, All right. Well, imagine back in the dinosaur days, they were eighteen feet long. We could also do that as our predatory fish. Um, so. 
Yeah, so anyway, they have the single venom gland. I've cut open, I've had the pleasure of cutting open two of these in my life. We do not have a single specimen here at the Field Museum except for ones that I have on loan. And in the two specimens that I've cut open, they both had just a single copepod in their stomach. So they may actually be using this venom gland just to stun a single prey item one at a time. Hmm. And I think that there are no, I'm unaware of any reports of them having more than a single copepod in their stomach at a time. And then the final group of venomous fishes that are that are predatory are the are there's actually a, a pair of fishes that are related to each other. So you have the the fang tooth bunnies or saber tooth bunnies, which are really colorful little coral fishes, a couple inches long, that ha- actually have modified teeth that are actually have a groove and a venom gland associated with them. They bite down on things and they kill them, just like the lionfish. These have warning coloration. They're bright yellow, bright red, bright whites. You know, like a coral snake or ants or wasps. All the sort of venomous nasties. And so, and they're just out on the coral reef. And there's they have. One of the ways you know that they're venomous and that everybody knows it and that they have warning coloration is they have lots of mimics. There's sea breams. There's a bunch of different groups of fishes that are actually mimicking these little tiny um, blennies. But their closest relatives are fangtooth blennies, which are just like the cookie cutter shark. They go up, except for they mimic the uh, the cleaner wrasses. So they look just like the cleaner wrasses. They have the black and white and blue stripes. They go up and you go up there like your little grouper and you're like, oh, clean off all my parasites. And they go up and they rip flesh off of them. They look just like them and then they bore a hole into them. Psych. So there's like this little group of horrible, horrible blennies. Blennies are these like cute things with eyelashes. Some of them have live babies. <laughs> they do all these wonderful things and they're all cute and everyone's like, Ooh, I love my blennies. But then all of a sudden there's this little group of really dastardly ones so that are right next to each other. So the saber-toothed venomous ones and then these fang-toothed ones that are ripping flesh off of each other. And, they, and they're both bastards. I mean, That's you know. interesting, given how many venomous fishes there are, that so few of them actually use venom for predation. No, I mean, there must be like 20 species between these, maybe, well, more like 30 species between these two groups out of, you know, several thousand. Because say something like snakes, they use venom primarily for predation. They're not using venom for defense, necessarily. Yeah, that's probably related to how they everything feeds them. I mean, like if if, if you're a fish, you are going to swallow your prey, you know, and it's, yeah, it's going to kill it like instantly. That's what I was thinking. That a lot of the the predation mechanisms of fishes aren't really conducive to being venomous. You're gaping and sucking and just getting in your throat and you're trapping something. Like the need to stun something or to cause you know hematoxic or neurological responses, so you could follow it, you know. Like, I, I guess not a lot of fishes are following their prey through the ocean for an extended period of time. It's like it's one and done. Right. Like, it's not, they're not damaging it's, something it's, and waiting It's kind of weird. I'm having this image in my head of, like, it's like life in, like, a jail for life versus, like, the lethal injection. Like, yeah. Like, every, there's different ways of sort of protecting yourself from the, from the, the harm. And the fishes basically are put the fish, lock the fish up in their mouth or, and like wait for it to die in there. And they protected their eyes and they protected sort of, you know, the good parts of the fish, you know, they can get ripped open in the mouth, just a little bleeding or whatever. But, and then the snakes and everything else, you know, they actually have to stun their prey and, you know, whether through boa constricting around it or a venom. So are these venomous fishes that are, the venom that they're using to, to, to be, Ah, to predate, to, <laughs> to bite down on. Yeah, the venom that they're using to bite down on is that venom hematoxic or neurological? We have no idea. No one's ever bothered to look at that. Um, so that's one of the, you know, there's there's research that I've seen talked about but never published on by a team in Australia where they show that because these things are using it as a prey 
for predatory purposes, the venom is much more similar in its behavior to that in snakes or squids or some of the other things they're using as a predatory. Because if you think about it, I mean, like a bee or something or a wasp is not, well, so, in, at least with humans, the bees aren't. Obviously, they're not stinging for predation. It's like a one and done. They die when they're stung. The wasps, there are some wasps that use it as predatory. There's tens or hundreds of thousands of wasps. So obviously, it's going to be all over the map. But in the hymenoptera, the, this group, they don't all use it predatory. I don't think ants use it as a predatory device very often either. Like their acid thing. What about fish that use electric currents? Like the, it can produce an electric current. Do they use that for predation, or is that a defense thing as well? Like, I definitely use it to find food, like hunting prey. But I, like, in a, like, like an electric, I think like a, if you take like an electric ray, an electric catfish, or an electric eel, which is sort of the ones that bother us rather than, mm-hmm. I think Matt's got the lightly electric ones that are not so bothering. For sure, those are using it to find prey. Yeah. But on those dastardly ones, <laughs> ones that are bad for humans, I don't know. Um, certainly, they're using, they will definitely use it to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. I bet. The, I, I bet I it's think electric eels proper use them to hunt, like actually kill prey. Like I, I was under the impression they'll actually use their electricity to you, stun to it, stun. or even potentially kill a prey item and then eat it. I bet all three of them will. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that what was the driving force of its evolution, you know, but uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, you don't make it that strong. It doesn't need to, you know, if you take something like a stargazer that's lightly electric, mm-hmm. but you're still using it, they, don't, they definitely do not, you know, stargazers are these bastards that, you know, are can be venomous, they could be electric, or they can produce electric charge, but none of them are, they're kind of like weak versions of everything, you know, and so I think they are obviously in both cases using it just to prevent themselves from getting killed. But I do think of those ones that are strong enough that the humans... Ones, you know, the ones that people think of when yeah, you think when, of an electric fish. You know, <laughs> if someone's been writing about the, you for 2,000 years because of your venom or your electricity, you're probably mm-hmm. pretty bad. You're probably hunting with it. You know, Because that would seem like an effective way of, like, you know, if a fish contacts you or is near you, you can stun it enough, like, then grab it. It would just we, seem... We certainly do that to catch fish if the environment's yeah. right for it. Yeah. Electrofishing's awesome. As yeah. we as pseudo-predators <laughs> collecting them. Or, like, highly tuned predatory machines. <laughs> they cheat. Are there any vegetarian fish? Zillions. Yeah. Okay, maybe not zillions. <laughs> 15,000. That's so, what kind of a number is a zillion? Uh, so you, most of the things like algae eaters in your fish tank, like Placostomus, and you know, some people might think the Placostomus is a boring fish, <laughs> Dr. Matt. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I love Placostomus. He just doesn't like Placostomus or what? <laughs> Placostomus itself. I no, think the spines and things are pretty interesting. There's like, so despite their lack of appeal, there's like two or there's several thousand of these things. Lorcarioid catfishes are like one of the largest group of easily recognizable, distinct groups Fresh of fishes. fishes. Yeah, and they uh, are almost exclusively herbivores. And the way you could, the easiest way to spot that, besides watching them eat, is that the stomach of an herbivore will be a zillion times longer than a, a carnivore. And so you have those. You have the pakus. So rather than eating testicles, they do eat fruits and nuts. You do have the uh, like surgeon fish, there's lots of like uh, rabbit fish. There's a lot of things on the coral reefs that eat those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of herbivorous freshwater marine. There's tons of yeah 
tetras and things that are most a lot of things are omnivores though they'll eat whatever they can or detritivores opportunistic yeah fishes are pretty opportunistic for feeding like a human is yeah a lot of fishes will eat anything they can get in their mouth essentially mm-hmm. right. they'll fit in there they'll try it <laughs> they'll just spit it out if they don't like it right like when a shark bites us <laughs> yeah they hopefully spit you out <laughs> in one time <laughs> I don't know I don't know if I want my like what would you do if you got your arm bitten off by a shark and they couldn't reattach it would you want it no, <laughs> I'd like to. Yeah, I'd like to to preserve it in a, in a jar of alcohol. Be like put it on your mantle, put it on your shelf. Yeah, oh. well, that's my left arm. <laughs> Part of ah, oh, the bastard. Fix it in formalin and uh, store it in alcohol in a really nice uh, in a nice display jar. If you want to agree, disagree, or want to ask what the fish, tweet us your questions at fm underscore what the fish. Uh, so long, and thanks for all the fish. Wow! <laughs> <laughs>